You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. As much as any of us might try, we can't figure out a way to create time. We've only been given 24 hours in a day and we need to figure out how best to use those hours. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. We continue to look at margin today, specifically in the area of time. A pastor from long ago, a a man by the name of A.W. Tozer, who's written a number of books, um, he said this, he said, time is a resource that's non-renewable and non-transferable. You cannot store it up, slow it up, hold it up, divide it up or give it up. You can't hoard it up or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember it has no resurrection. And time's a valuable resource and a commodity for us. You know, one that people have constantly tried to reproduce to no avail. Scientists and physicists have tried to look into the idea of time travel. Authors, those who use their imagination have written stories to imagine what it would be like to be able to uh, go back to the future or to travel in a time machine. But it's all been to no avail. And technology has made things that once seemed impossible, possible. We're able to do so many things today that we were never able to do before and maybe never even imagined that we could do before. But the one thing that it hasn't helped anyone figure out is how to create more than 24 hours in a day. Uh, this chart um, is a few, is almost a decade old at this point, um, but I think it's, it's somewhat telling. Um, I, I actually would be curious um, if you look at this, this is from 2013, the amount of hours the average American, in the average American day. I, I, I totally disagree with 0.15 for phone, email, and mail. Um, and if you put computer on there as well, I, I think that would go up significantly more than that. Um, but it's interesting to look and, and to see on a, I'm a very visual person, to see graphically represented how we as Americans, at least nine years ago, were spending our days, um, I don't know who sleeps for 8.7 hours a night, but if you do, God bless you. Um, Leisure, sports, work, household activities. I'm trying to figure out who's only working three and a half hours a day to eating and drinking, other personal care, buying things, caring for children and others educational activities, civic and religious activities, um, other, which I don't know what that is, and then phone, email. You know, we, we kicked off last week this looking at this idea of margin, and we're going to be looking specifically over the next few weeks at some of the areas in our lives that, that we may either feel like we're excelling in in the area of margin, or maybe we feel like um, we need to move on to another topic because um, we're not doing so well with that. And I mentioned last week that while we're walking through this idea of margin, we're also going to be using C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, as kind of a, a lens through which we're looking 
Um, and again, I'll, I'll mention probably multiple times that um, just because if you're familiar with the book C uh, Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, um, then that's great. If not, just a recap. But uh, it's, a, it's a fictional work by C.S. Lewis uh, that's the correspondence of an uncle demon to his nephew. Um, so let me say that I'm not saying that if we don't get margin right, we're going straight to hell. So, so there's no misconceptions there. But I think it's really interesting the lens through which Lewis looks at the idea of margin even. And so uh, that being said, what does Uncle Screwtape tell us about time? This is what C.S. Lewis wrote as Uncle Screwtape in the Screwtape Letters. As this condition becomes more fully established, you'll be gradually freed from the tiresome business of providing pleasures as temptations. As the uneasiness and his reluctance to face it cut him off more and more from all real happiness, and his habit renders the pleasures of vanity and excitement and flippancy at once less pleasant and harder to forego, for that is what habit fortunately does to a pleasure. You will find that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his wandering attention. You no longer need a good book, which he really likes, to keep him from his prayers or his work or his sleep. A column of advertisements in yesterday's paper will do. And I think if he'd written that today, he may have said the news feed and social media would do. You can make him waste his time not only in conversation he enjoys with people whom he likes, but also in conversations with those he cares nothing about on subjects that bore him. You can make him do nothing at all for long periods. You can keep him up late at night, not roistering, but staring at a dead fire in a cold room. All the healthy and outgoing activities which we want him to avoid can be inhibited and nothing given in return. So that at least he may say, as one of my own patients said on his arrival down here, I now see that I spent most of my life in doing neither what I ought nor what I liked. The Christians describe the enemy as one without whom nothing is strong and nothing is very strong, strong enough to steal a man's best years, not in sweet sins, but in a dreary flickering of the mind over it knows not what and knows not why. In the gratification of curiosities so feeble that the man is only half aware of them, in drumming of fingers and kicking of heels, in whistling tunes that he does not like, or in the long, dim labyrinth of reveries that have not even lust or ambition to give them a relish, but which one chance association has started them. The creature is too weak and fuddled to shake off. When we consider our relationship with time and we think about the ways that we use time do we feel like it's just this long dim labyrinth of reveries that we just go through the motions sometimes just spending our time on things that we don't care about we don't like uh, and we're not um, even really thrilled about we don't feel any value in it at all when it comes to margin in our lives, where do we find ourselves specifically in this area of time? The writer of Ecclesiastes in Ecclesiastes 3.1 wrote this, There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Now, are we one of those people who longs for additional hours in the day? 
I've heard people say that before. I wish there were more hours in the day. I've, I've heard myself say that before. Oh, I, I wish that there was just a few more hours. Or are we content with the number of hours we have and that we have been given? Paul, in his letters to the early church, specifically in his letter to the church of Ephesus, he wrote this. He said, be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And over in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, he says, similarly, he says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. You know, I, I always pick on English because I feel like it's such a, like, dirty like language as far as just there, you say it, you love something right and and there's only one way to say that in Greek there were multiple ways to say love and in Greek there was also multiple ways to speak of time the Greek word chronos is the word that from which we derive the word chronology which is about the passing of time it's used more specifically about you know, minutes and hours and, and days, time frames. The other Greek word that's often translated for time is kairos, which has something more to do with a specific moment in time, an opportunity, a season, an occasion in life. If you're familiar at all with the movie Dead Poet Society, one thing that came from that movie was people going around saying carpe diem, which was seize the day. <clears throat> that day that's in question wasn't a specific day, but it was this moment. It was this kairos moment. And from a, a Greek perspective, that's what they would talk about when they spoke of kairos, was capturing this occasion, this specific moment in life. Author Tommy Thompson wrote, but in our culture, Kronos crowds out Kairos. We allow our schedules and task lists to become so full that Kairos time, which is never urgent, gets eliminated. And Paul uses this same phrase that's translated here in the New International Version. He uses it in both, both Ephesians and, and Colossians. And he says to, to redeem the time, and that word, it, it means to like buy back, to, to actually uh, purchase that time. And so I think Paul, when he says that to his readers, when he says, hey, redeem the time, make the most of every opportunity, make the most of every kairos. Paul's essentially telling his readers two things. First of all, he's saying this. He's saying time is costly. And the second thing is this, that it's worth paying for. And so how well do we understand the value of time? Are we stewarding our time or are we squandering our time? How much time do we spend scrolling through Netflix to try to determine what we're going to watch next? How much time do we spend scrolling through our news feed to see if there's anything there that we actually care about? Looking at memes, reading meaningless posts about people that we barely know and care even less about. 
As we go through our days, are we recognizing the difference between our chronos moments and our kairos moments? I'm a baseball fan and a big movie fan, and uh, occasionally I'll um, get so into a movie that I'll find out, hey, this was based upon a book, and you know, it's always disappointing when you go and, and, and read a book and then watch the movie, but um, I've seen the movie Field of Dreams many times, and so uh, I decided that I was going to read the book a few weeks ago that it was based on, which is called Shoeless Joe by uh, W.P. Kinsella. And, and in that book, he, if you're familiar at all with the story, it's, it's a story about a man who, who builds a baseball field. And, and in that story, W.P. Kinsella says this. He says, hardly anybody recognizes the most significant moments of their life at the time that they happen. Now, I love to do social media experiments, and so I put that experiment on my Facebook wall and then watched people respond to it. There are a few people who it, who it got stuck in their head for, for a few hours, maybe even days, as they pondered that and wondered to themselves, when significant moments happen in my life, have I slowed down enough to notice that there's a possibility here, there's a potential here, and I better grab onto it. If we're living marginless lives, we will not have the bandwidth to recognize those moments, even if we could. In other words, if we're just going from one thing to the next, even if there's a Kairos moment that we come upon, we won't have the margin in our lives. We won't have the time and the bandwidth to say, hey, I'm going to take advantage of this moment. Because we're so caught up running from moment to moment to moment, and we're squandering the time. Have you ever wasted time for hours on a game or a news feed only to find out that, you know, I've heard people talk about uh, the, the black hole of YouTube, right? Like you click on one video, and then uh, that leads you to another one because it suggested stuff. And then you look at the clock and you're like, wow, an hour's gone already. What, what, what was I doing? I was looking at like cats or people, you know, falling off, you know, things or laughing at whatever it might be. And we find ourselves caught up in these moments and we're squandering the Kairos moments that might be in front of us. You know, one of the greatest ways that we find and understand margin, I think, is that we'll most likely see revisited in this series by understanding our own limitations. As I've gotten older, I think one of the things that I've begun to, to come to grips with is the fact that I am limited in my resources, I'm limited in my capacity for things, I'm limited in the amount of time that I can give, I'm limited in the amount of energy that I can give. There's a really good book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by a guy named John Mark Comer. And in it, he talks about this idea of embracing your, your limitations. He says this, he says, to be made in the image of God means that we're rife with potential. We have the divine's capacity in our DNA. We're like God. We were created to image his behavior, to rule like he does, to gather up the raw materials of our planet and to reshape them into a world for human beings to flourish and thrive. And if we left it there, we would feel like, yeah, I can do anything. 
And then he continues and he says this. He says, we're also made from the dirt. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, we're the original biodegradable containers, which means we're born with limitations. We're not God. We're mortal, not immortal. Finite, not infinite. I am not God, and you are not God. So turn to whoever is sitting next to you and remind them and say, you are not God, and I am not God. It, it's a reminder for us, and maybe we need to do that more often and look at ourselves or look at each other and say, hey, you're not God. Over and over in my life, I've either had someone, had to have somebody tell me that or I've had to look at myself and remind myself that I am not God. I do not have endless and infinite capacity for things. I have limitations. We talked last week about the fact that God in the creative order of things, he created a day, 24 hours for us to rest, to stop, to cease. Because we are not superhuman. We are not invincible. We're not immortal. So maybe we should stop acting like it. And one of the healthiest things that any of us can do is to understand our own limitations. You know, I, I speak often about the fact that one of my passions is, is to coach people through their strengths, uh, through a thing called Strengths Finders, um, that I'll meet with people and talk through that. Because it was so helpful for me to finally say, okay, what am I good at? What are the things that I feel like God's created me for? And focus on those things, because when I focus on those things, I feel like it's, it's a much more successful endeavor in my life. Versus saying, hey, I'm, I'm really bad at these things. Let me see if I can be a little less bad than I was before. It's better for us to be more focused on a few things. Or is it better for us to be scatteredly rushing through a lot of things? I think it's better for us to, to focus on a few things and to understand our limitations and say, hey, I only have capacity for this. You know, having just passed the first day of school for all of us who are either parents or grandparents or aunts, uncles, whatever, um, even if we don't have kids of our own, we've probably seen the pictures and Facebook always reminds us of uh, years gone by and there's nothing that will hammer home the passing of time more than seeing your kids from year to year or seeing somebody else's kids from year to year and realizing that, whoa, like they've grown a lot since then and that time is passing by. You know, I'm reminded especially during this time of year, that time passes and that there's only a limited number of days that, that specifically my kids have under my roof. Now, some of us might think to ourselves, woohoo, that's great, like they're gone in a certain amount of time. Others of us might say, you know what, like I've only got this much time. Are we panicking and worrying? Or are we saying, hey, how do I take advantage of the Kairos moments that I have before me? Again, wh whatever your role is, 
with younger the younger generation how are you looking and saying hey how am i investing in the kairos moments for them or are we just saying hey time is passing by it's ticking by i'm just going to watch it watch it go by you know i will never have enough time to do everything that i want to do so i have to understand my limitations and I have to say, what is my capacity for this? Am I redeeming the time? Am I making the most of every opportunity? Am I looking for the Kairos moments in my life, wherever they might be, and saying, hey, I'm going to capitalize on these. And the only way that we can see those Kairos moments are when we create enough margin in our lives in the area of time in order to be able to see them instead of rushing from moment a moment. I'm not going to have time to do everything I want, but am I finding time to do everything that's most important? And last week we came to the end of the message and we looked at this idea of scaling ourselves. And you know, I don't know. I have a love-hate relationship with those those, you know, hey, grade yourself on this because I feel like it's a losing battle for me all the time. But but I think looking at this as, hey, this is a start for us. You know, if we feel, if you're here or you're listening and watching um, and you feel like you're nailing it in the area of margin in your lives, God bless you. Go out and find some people who suck at it and say, hey, um, I'd like to teach you, okay? If you're not, let me tell you that you're not alone. In, in trying to understand how to understand your limitations and trying to live in a, a way that you can create margin in your lives, you're not alone in trying to figure that out. And so on a scale of one to 10, um, how good are you at time margin in your life? Again, be, be honest, no one's gonna look at it. Maybe your spouse might look at it and tell you if you're being honest or not. <laughs> <clears throat> but but ask yourself that question. If you don't take time now to do it, take time this week. Um, write it down. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at understanding your limitations? Uh, maybe a harder one. That you may like not, you know, some of us don't like to say. I mean, I remember when I was in college and I thought to myself, like, man, I'm, I'm like 12 feet tall and I'm bulletproof and I can do anything and everything. Uh, and then something comes along that knocks the legs out from under me and I realize, okay, well, I, I am mortal. <laughs> I am not superhuman. So how good are you at admitting that and understanding your limitations? And, and then more practically, this week, what one way can we find this week to redeem the time that we have? Now, maybe you have a tendency of like, Letting your phone pull you into things, back to work, even though the work day's over. Put it away. Like, leave it on the counter. I, I've made a practice myself of leaving my phone. We're one of those crazy households that actually still has a, a home phone. Um, uh, so um, we, we aren't completely cellular. Um, but uh, so I leave my phone downstairs. I never bring it to my bedroom. Uh, every night. Um, that's what I need to do in order to like create that margin for myself. What, what one thing can you find this week 
that will start to create margin. And again, I'm going to remind us over and over through this that this is not like a one-step, like one-battle victory that we will encounter. This is something that we've got to keep pressing into and saying, hey, like I'm going to do one thing this week or one thing this month that's going to change the way that I create and live with margin in my life. Um, and then hopefully when we get to the end of this time looking specifically at margin, we can go back, we can scale ourselves. And even if it's just one, you know, number movement, we move from like two to a three or even a two and a half, like progress is progress. We've got to celebrate that and say, hey, God, I see you at work. I see you doing something in me. And be honest, you know, the beauty of community again is that we come together and we, we've got others, spouses, friends, family, that we can share this with and say, hey, I want your honest opinion. Like, I'm working on creating margin in my life. How do you think I'm doing here? And then, you know, you may cringe a little bit as they're super honest with you. Um, but the only way that we change and transform is when pe we let people speak honesty into our lives. And they can tell us truthfully, hey, this is what I see. Like, here's an area uh, that, hey, you're, you're getting better at, or hey, here's some other things that you can do work-wise. Let me pray for us. God, time marches on, and it's so easy for us to, to get caught up in so many other things. Even as Lewis portrays in the Screwtape letters, things that we may not even care a ton about. And yet, um, we've been given instructions to make the most of every moment, to redeem the time. So God, would you show us how to do that more this week, this month, this year? Would you help us to come to grips with our own limitations? Would you humble us enough that we can admit that and say, God, I need help. I need help to know what's best. I need help to say no sometimes. I need help to just find some margin, especially in the area of time. God, we don't want the moments to just march on and fill them up so greatly, so overflowing, that we miss those Kairos moments. But God, we can only do this through you. We can only do this when we really come and, and lay this at your feet and say, hey, God, we can't do this on our own. So help us, we pray. And may we see you in this, God. Even in our limitations, God. I think about Paul's words where he said, that in our weakness, you are strong. So God, even as we come face to face with our limitations, I pray that you would remind us that you are a limitless God. There are no bounds on you. There are no barriers to you. There are no borders for you.
So God, help us as we seek to create margin in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do you do with the time that you've been given? Are you so consumed by the Kronos time that you're missing out on the Kairos moments that come your way? There's no better day than today to make a change. Take some time to reflect. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.